Let's open up our scripture together, or your smartphone, since I just told you you can play with your phone in church. I just want to go through uh, an invitation that the Lord has for us. Did you know that we serve a God who is incredibly inclusive, always inviting us into what he's doing? He is not like, he doesn't like have a corner on life and fullness and flourishing and abundance and say, all mine and none yours. Come on, who is glad that our God is a generous and inviting, always trying to get us in on what he's doing? He's not like, hmm, how can I make their lives miserable? And I can keep all of the fun for myself. No, he's like, everything I have, I'm inviting you into it. So this morning, and I believe this year, is a year of invitation. Now, how many of you got an invitation to go to a Christmas party this season that you did not attend? Don't feel shy. Or maybe unless you're sitting next to the person that invited you. That would just be awkward because I am right now. But how many know it's one thing to be invited It's another thing to respond to the invitation. The fact of the matter is, God is always including, always inviting, always speaking, always summoning us, always saying, I've got stuff for you. I've got plans and purposes and a destiny. I've got an identity that custom fit just for you. But all of them come to us through the lens or the framework of invitation response required. It's like, uh, you know, I, I got married a long time ago, but, you know, you send the invites and RSVP, how many are coming? Wouldn't it be great if, like, you sent back to the bride and groom-to-be 50 RSVP? No, that's not funny. I thought it was funny in my head, but <laughs> just to mess with the bride and groom, but no, don't do that. Bridezilla. Do I have any bridezillas in the house? Anyway. It's hot up here. Um, But all that the Lord invites us into, He he invites us, invites us, invites us. He calls our name. He, He breaks through our deafness and our dullness. The fact that we can even hear God and experience His voice and His love is a miracle considering how much friction there is on the airwaves. Can I get an amen? That God and His infinite wisdom and grace and power can pierce through all that garbage. And if we'll sit and turn our hearts and respond, we'll realize, man, God is always inviting, including me in on what He's doing, but I don't always respond. If that's you, can you say amen? And so Isaiah 55 is, man, it's just one of the best chapters in the Bible. I mean, if you ask me, and you're not asking me, but I'm telling you. And the first word of Isaiah 55.1 really is what the whole chapter is about. If you have your Bibles or your smartphone, go ahead and grab them. Isaiah 55.1 says, Come, all. Say that with me. Come, all. Who else loves how this is starting? Who's this verse for? (sighs) 
every person in this room. Come, all who are thirsty. Who does that include? Anyone ever gotten really, really thirsty? Like at mile three? <laughs> Has anyone been really, really thirsty? And you're like, where's the water? God understands our thirst, amen? All you are thirsty, come. Come to the waters. And we know those waters, Jesus helps us in John chapter 6 and in John chapter 4. He is the source of the fountain of the living water of God, amen? Come to me, all of you who are thirsty. You who have no money, who does that include after Christmas? Anybody? Nobody. Okay, praise God. Come, if you have no money, come buy and eat. So the implication is, come and buy stuff you couldn't afford because you don't got money, but in my economy, I picked up the tab if you'll just respond to the invitation. Boom. Come and buy meat, wine, or grape juice, whatever your thing is, without money and without costs. So already in Isaiah 55, we have a God who, in the context, is writing to a people in exile who have lost their phone. Phone. <laughs> they didn't have them back then. Uh, uh, <laughs> lost their possessions, lost their land, lost their corporate and cultural identity. But he's giving a prophetic word that even in exile, it's not too late. Even when you're lost and your identity is under the rubble of your sin, and even when you've made choices that have, you think have thwarted God's purposes and plans for you, he says, even then I'm saying, come to me. Even then, I'm not done with you yet. Come, all of you who are thirsty. All of you who are beaten down and broken from the year that just happened, or maybe you're looking ahead to the year ahead and you're just crippled with fear, anxiety, or worry already. You just don't know how you're going to make it through. God, right now through His Word, is saying, come to me in that state, in your thirst. Come to me in your bankruptcy. Come on, somebody. Even when you don't have money, you don't know the life that He's inviting us into, you can't buy your way into it. It's a gift. It's an invitation that's meant to be responded to. He said, come buy wine and milk and eat. I know you don't have money. You're the currency I'm after. Whoa. It's you I want. You don't, I want you. You. Spirit, soul, and body. I want you. Come to me. And I love this. This is an unbelievable verse to look back on the year and to look ahead to the year to come. How many can say, verse 2, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Who has spent resources, time, talent, effort on something you thought was going to give life but it didn't pan out in the end? Anyone make one of those choices this year besides me? So Isaiah says, dude, time out. Why would you spend money you don't even have but why, why go after things that after you think they satisfy, after you take a nibble and a bite, you're just as broken, if not more thirsty? And so why I love the turn of the calendar year is, is it's a natural time to take inventory and say, huh, 
am I satisfied in God or am I not? Does anyone ever think about that question? Am I satisfied in Him? Am I just a rule-keeping, religious, upstanding, morally person? Or, like, in my bones, do I have that sense of I am satisfied in who God is and who He's making me to become? I'm satisfied. He's good. It's not just I heard about it from a sermon or a podcast or a YouTube, but I have firsthand knowledge of His satisfaction. So Isaiah says, why are you spending money on gimmicks and fads and opinions that you think will pan out? Here is the word of the Lord for 2019. Right here. He says, I love the emphatic double. Listen, listen. Say that with me. Listen, listen. To who? To no one has their Bible open. Thank you. How many of y'all know we are really good at listening to billions of sources and ideas, but very, very poor at zeroing in and shoving off and consecrating our hearts, minds, and affection to listen to Him? How many know we live in an information regurgitation messy from every side of the aisle and angle blah 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 and it's almost impossible to listen to him but did you know that if God invites us into something he will provide a way for us to walk in it so even in the chaos and the confusion and the airwaves that seem clogged when he says come to me all of you stop spending resources time and energy in things that you think satisfy but they're not bread. They look like bread. How many know the devil has no creative power? He can just manipulate that which God created originally good. And so what it looks like bread, once you go after it, when you thought it was the bread you needed, you take a bite and it's a rock. Come on, who's ever chipped a tooth? I thought it was bread. The bigger thing, the bigger this, the bigger, the more that. Working longer hours so that I can keep up with the Joneses, whoever the Joneses are. Rock. So the prophet gives us the solution. Listen, listen to me. And what happens when we listen to him? to all my foodies out there, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Who has ever been invited to a restaurant that you knew someone else was paying so you ordered big? My in-laws are sitting right here, so I feel a little bit convicted <laughs> because they are very generous and have paid for many a meal and cooked many a meal for me. God is saying, if you listen to me, not just listen, but listen, listen, the emphatic double. Because how many know one listen is not enough? We're distracted after the one listen. So he's all, listen, listen. I'm inviting you into a life of satisfaction 
a life of experiencing my abundance that if you will listen, listen to me, you will experience like going to a Michelin three-star restaurant in the Spirit by listening to the words that are coming from my mouth. How many have ever delighted in a good meal? Come on, no one's delighted in a good meal where you just, you know, after you've taken the selfie and you took the photo of the perfect, no one takes photos of meals anymore? Okay. Uh, But the picture the prophet gives us is like after you've eaten and that like, come on, everyone knows like that food come a lull. Oh. How many know God wants us to live out of that place of being nurtured and nourished of His goodness? It goes on, give ear. He's just saying the same thing. And what? Come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. My dad has an awesome message and all of his team always preaches the same message. Life is in God's voice. Say that with me. Life is in God's voice. He, don't say this with me, I'm just preaching now. He spoke and it came to be. He currently speaks, Hebrews 1, 3, and that which came to be is being sustained by His powerful ongoing Word. So the creative force and authority and power and direction and wisdom and insight and knowledge and understanding and knowing how to be and where to be and who to be, that word that God continues to speak through His Son, Jesus Christ, that word is our very life currently. So many of us like, oh, I got a word from, uh, you know, you're living on like breadcrumbs when He's like, I've got a fresh, baked, homemade I had homemade bread from Jake the other day. I got that homemade bread for you every day if you will come to me and just listen. I'll speak to you. I'll give you bread that your soul would live. Who in here says, I would like my soul to live? This is a year for Cornerstone Church and all of those here to live. To live. We serve a God of unbelievable invitation, but we're not always a people who are as eager to respond to that offer of life that He is as eager to give it. How many meals this year did God have to throw away because we didn't take time to sit at the table and eat it? Don't get condemned or shamed, but set your heart like I'm setting mine in the year ahead to say, man, I want to get full and feast on that which God prepares for me each day. By coming to him, listening to him, and hearing his word. Then he gives this awesome promise. I'll make a covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. That's a prophetic picture to Jesus. So how many know all of the promises of God are fulfilled? And now 
They're delivered to us through Jesus Christ, the promised one. Amen. And so this promise, because God's always looked for somebody to just come to him and live off every word that comes from his mouth. How many know human in, no, no human in history has done it except for Jesus Christ? So, because Jesus is, he's now a witness to us of how to live off of every word, how to live in perfect communion and synchronization and intimacy and friendship with his Father, Jesus then turns around and says, as I've done for you, I will now do in you if you will just submit to me. I've made Jesus the promised ruler, so now because Jesus was faithful on your behalf, you can be faithful as you seek to live life in Christ, the faithful one. And then he says, surely you will summon nations you know not. People that don't even know you will come to you. Come on, that's, that includes us. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. And here's what I love. Seek, everyone say seek. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call, everybody say call. Call on him while he is near. Now, what is the implication of that verse? Help me out, Bible study scholars. Seek the Lord while he may be found. The implication is... Well, what if you can't find him? It's in the Bible. I didn't make it up. How many know it is a dangerous thing that when you continue to get invitations to go to the next level in your walk with Christ, He continues to invite, continues to invite, He draws near, but you'd rather choose your selfishness, your loadship, your sin, your addictions, you, me, me. How many know that is a dangerous thing to trifle with the invitation of God? That's not a popular message, but it's the true message. Isaiah says to these people, especially to a people who are going into exile, losing all of their identity and possessions, he's saying, guys, there is a season right now that the Lord is drawing near, and if you don't seek Him in this season, you may not find Him in the next. Seek Him while He may be found. And then look at what it says. Call on Him while He's near. How many know that He draws near so that we'll seek Him, not so that it's just endlessly, God, where are you? It's that when we call to Him out of that place of being near, He hears us and we know that He hears us and He responds and He transforms our life. The implication that the prophet is saying is many of us, maybe this year, many of us have, we've not understood the nearness of God. We've not understood the interruptions that we thought were just happenstance, but they were actually God reaching out His hand and gently saying, I'm near. If you'll seek me, you'll find the thing you've been looking for all your life. I'm here. I'm close to you. But instead of calling on that thing or you putting your hope in your 401k or your health or your, your, your abilities or just yourself, if you realize that when I draw near, I want you to call on me because I am your source, your power, your protection, your provision. It's me. Call on me. Seek me. Seek the Lord while he may be found. I remember this, I had this guy that 
there's this message out there about just w- sloppy, just frivolous grace that if I just do whatever I want, God will cover my... And I remember I had this time, this guy came to me and he was about ready to have an affair on his wife. This is what he's telling me. And I'm like, at least he's honest, I guess. But this buddy of mine years ago, he said, well, after I do what I want, won't God just forgive me? It doesn't matter. You know, that's basically his attitude. And I was with one of my best friends that I love in the Lord, and we, we looked at him and almost unanimously, and then I said, you're assuming you will feel remorse for your sin. How many know repentance and turning to God's not even our idea? It's God's idea. It's a gift He grants. It's a grace He gives. How many people have missed out on what God is doing and what He has for their life because they're assuming on grace that they're yet to experience in the present? They're assuming that I can live like the devil, do what I want, and then when I get into trouble, I'll call on him. And I looked at that guy in the eye, and I think he went on and did what he wanted to do. But I said, dude, you're assuming that after you commit this adultery, that you'll feel remorse, and you'll, that, that you'll have repentance. And, you, you know, you're, and I'm like, dude, I wouldn't want to take that chance. How about you? How many have taken that chance and didn't pan out all that well? That doesn't mean God can't wash your sin no matter what you've gone through or what you experienced this year. But it's a whole nother ball game to presume upon it. Am I talking truth to anybody? There's grace for every person in this room, but don't play with His grace. You don't just, God, I do what I want and I come to you and you're just the big old happy Santa Claus that just gives me gifts. I can be naughty all year. How many know that? <laughs> Seek Him while He can be found. Call on Him while He's near. And here's the powerful promise tied to that. Ooh, it's powerful. Let the wicked forsake, everyone say forsake, His way, which is His behavior or His lifestyle. And the evil man, His thoughts. Everyone say thoughts. These are your motivations, your, 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 uh, your processes, of the, your worldview, your thoughts and your ways. And what is the wicked man to do? To turn to the Lord. Everyone say, turn to the Lord. You don't turn towards your sin. You don't turn towards, well, I got myself in this mess, and now I got to get myself out of it. How many have seen that game tried and failed? Just got honest people over here. Nope, anyone over here? You, I got myself into it, now I got to fix it. Turn, everyone say this, turn to the Lord. And He will have mercy on them. And to our God, for He will freely pardon us. How many know that every time we find ourselves living out of our own evil thoughts or ways or desires, and when God draws near for repentance and forgiveness, and when we turn to Him, every single time God forgives us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He forgives us. The Bible says it like this in Ephesians 4. It says that, Forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Did you know that every transaction of forgiveness between God and humanity goes through Jesus? His costly sacrifice so that we didn't have to live in our mess anymore. He will freely, everyone say freely pardon. We're wrapping up. Here it is, the crescendo. This is the no-duh, no-brainer. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. And we all said amen. Neither are your ways my ways, 
Okay. My thoughts, my ways, your thoughts, your ways. Mine are higher. And by implication, greater. And by implication, implication, smarter, because I've got a higher perspective. I can see 20 moves out in front. You can only see what's in front of your face. And even then, you usually can't see what's in front of your face because you're so bogged down by whatever choice you made yesterday. Do you see the picture? The prophet's giving us a picture. 2019, how many want to live out of God's thoughts, God's ways, instead of your thoughts, your ways? They're higher. They're higher. They're greater. He goes on to say, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You remember when, uh, here's how much higher they are. Remember when Peter had the bright idea by the Holy Spirit to say, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the God. And what did Jesus say to Peter? Good job, dude. You didn't think that up on your own. The Holy Spirit told you. But good job nonetheless. Amen. One verse later, I'm sorry, four verses later, Jesus then says, and the kind of Messiah King Christ I am and going to be is the kind that will hang and suffer and die for you and then rise again. To which Peter begins to rebuke Jesus. Remember the guy who had the good idea four sentences earlier. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan, here's what, but here's what was satanic about what he said. See, we think it's oogie boogies, you know, Ouija boards and all. It is that junk. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. The demonically energized Jesus, you don't have to die. That's silly nonsense, Jesus, as if Peter knows better. The demo- Listen, how many know how many things the enemy is influencing and energizing right now, not in the oogie-boogie, the overt Hollywood stuff, but in thinking humans know better than God? <laughs> it is rampant. And what Jesus says to Peter, he says to us and our culture and our nation and our generation, you are thinking man's thoughts, not God's thoughts. I want you in on what I think, but you've got to acknowledge that your ways end in futility, mine end in life. That's good preaching. Maybe y'all are tired, but... Get behind me, Satan. What did I say? I just said you're not going to die. No, you thought you had a better way to bring about my purposes on the earth than the ways I see fit. That's what it was really about. So as the higher, higher the heavens, and here's the little one-two punch for that. How many have heard this very, very, very famous Bible verse in Revelation 3.20? Behold, I stand at the door and, and anyone who, I will come in and sup for all those translations or eat with you. Here's the picture. This is a prophetic picture for us, for me. Listen, this is not a, a Bible verse that many of us quote it for unbelievers. This is, a, this is a rebuke to the church. That Jesus finds himself on the outside of the church is a massive problem for the church that claims to bear his name. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to my family here today. He's on the outside of the house knocking. Hey, knuckleheads, you need me. 
who's at the door? Oh, it's the one we're super busy pretending to worship and do all these big Bible things, but somehow we lost Jesus in the mix. Come on, how many can be honest like Jesus' parents in Luke 2? You traveled a day or two and you didn't notice that Jesus wasn't in your company. Am I the only one? It's in the Bible. They didn't know. They left him in Jerusalem. Whoops. But look at this. Here's what happens. Look, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than yours, my thoughts than yours. If we respond to the knocking of Revelation 3.20, I want to come in and eat with you. I want to sit at the table that I have prepared for you. I want to be in your life. I want to have that kind of, how many know to share a table is to share life. It's to be one. It's to embrace the one across the table from you. Jesus is offering us nothing less than I want to do all of life with you. How many know we got to open the door? Remember, all of the things in the kingdom come by way of invitation, but they're look, he's looking for a response. Here's the little picture I get for as high as heavens and above and earth and ways and thoughts. If we'll answer the door of Revelation 3.20, he will, Revelation 4.1, which is what? Then I saw a door in heaven open, and he said, come up here. Did you hear me? If you will respond to the knocking of my heart, you let me into your perspective and your life and your messiness, I will open up my perspective and my life and my thoughts to you. Okay, I think that's really cool. It's, I hope it's landing out there. Jesus is knocking. Oh, come on in. Heaven opened. I'm going to show you unsearchable great things. Good deal. Everyone know that's better than Black Friday. Okay. Here we go. I'm having so much fun. How many love this? The, the word is so good. And here's why it's important to hear the word of the Lord for 2019 and why we're going to spend two hours. We're going to spend time tonight just waiting, listening. We're going to just be in his presence. It's not going to be, we're just going to say, Jesus, talk to us as a people. We want to set our hearts in your presence. Here's why that's so significant and important. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it or evaporate without watering the earth, making it bud, everyone say bud, and flourish, say flourish, so that it yields, say yield, seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. Did you guys see the, the, the picture? Everyone do this with me. The water comes down. Come on, don't be too cool. Come on, everybody, don't be. You're not too cool. The water always fulfills its purpose when it's released. Amen? That's simple enough. I love when the prophets give us little word pictures. We're like, okay, we get it. And then snow. If you live in the mountains or maybe you've never seen snow, I grew up in Kansas, saw a lot of it. Snow. And what is the purpose of the rain and the snow? It's the same purpose of why God releases his word. So that that which in us he longs, it can bud, flourish, yield, and grow. Come on. You, this is God. This is God. He's not a grumpy, 
Listen, this pretty gnarly passage, seek him while he's found, turn from your wickedness. There's gnarliness, I understand. You can think he's a little bit harsh, that's fine. But behind the call to repentance and the rebuke for our stubbornness is a God who's like, because I want to water your life and I want you to flourish. I want good things to bud and to grow in your life. And if you don't forsake your ways and you don't forsake your futile thoughts, you will not be able to perceive and receive what I want to pour out on you, says the Lord. Come on. Sorry, little baby. Verse 11, so it is that my word that goes from my mouth, it will not return to me empty. Everyone say, it's not going to return empty. No, come on, like you mean it. This is the last point. It will not return empty. It will not return empty. But it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Here's the picture God gave me when I said on this this week. i got to read it. He speaks out of a place of desire. Uh, will accomplish what I desire. How many know behind a God who speaks is a God of desire? And what does he desire? I want you. I'm not speaking because I'm, I'm speaking out of a fiery place of desire. I'm speaking, my words are an invitation to relationship. My words are an invitation to intimacy and friendship and being close to me. So I love this picture. I'm speaking a word that will not return void, but I'm speaking out of desire. So I'm not just, oh, it'd be great if they thought about turning to me. It's I have given everything through the suffering of my son and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be in on what I'm about to do. It's out of desire. And then it will achieve. Everyone say achieve. The purpose for which I sent. So many of us are purpose this, purpose that. And we just are robots because we forgot. Oh wait, he spoke that purpose out of a heart of desire. That may not be significant, but that landed for some of you in this place. It's purpose and I got to do this and do that. And we forgot the God of desire behind the purpose. How many know you can be busy doing duties your whole life and you can end up cold and distant and bitter and feeling like God's boring and doesn't like you. I've known people that are really busy. They're about God accomplishing his purposes, but they forgot that behind the purposes is a God of desire. A God who wants a real relationship with us. And then I like it. Then he just starts riffing some massive poetic language. After all of this good stuff for 2019... You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into songs before you. Do you see that picture? Back to verse 1. I'm responding to God. He's saying, come to me because I'm thirsty. He's telling me I can buy stuff I can't afford. He's telling me there's a way out of spending my resources and my efforts on things that are futile. They promise nourishment, but they're rocks to my teeth. He's saying, if I'll forsake my evil ways and my own thoughts and I'll get God's perspective, I'll seek him while he's found, I'll forsake my wickedness, I'll turn to the Lord and receive mercy and forgiveness and pardon, that somehow if I open the door to this invitation and say yes to Jesus, that he's going to then lift me and give me his perspective, his thoughts, his ways. And what happens? Why is that so cool? Because then everywhere I go, rejoicing and peace follows me. Ha! That's where... 
That's just, I just preached the whole chapter. When people live like that, even mountains and hills have a song. I like it. This is a good word. No, I'm sorry. They will burst. Everyone say burst. That's different than just having a song. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Can you imagine? It's a poetic picture, but just how many know poetic pictures are meant to engage our minds and imagination and intercession to see what's actually possible in God? Trees are going to clap. Mountains and hills. Woo! People are getting it. They're living the life God has for them through the Holy Spirit. Woo! I like it. Instead of the thorn bush, which everyone loves, will grow the pine tree. And instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. These flourishing trees. This will be for whose renown? The Lord's renown for an everlasting sign which shall not be destroyed. That's the word of the Lord today. Come to me. Did everyone get that word? Are you, did, did it? It's a... I just knew I had a word. I didn't know. I, I'm thankful that just come to me. 2019. Just listen, listen. Everyone say it. Listen, listen. I don't want another meal that God cooks for me to go in the trash because I was preoccupied with my own stuff. I don't want to live under the illusion any longer that I'm smarter than God. I actually just want to acknowledge right now, you're not, I'm not. He's infinitely wise. No one can fathom his, his insight and what he, what he sees, what he thinks. That every time God speaks, and he is an insatiable communicator, always talking, always inviting, always drawing us to himself. And if we'll respond to Revelation 3.20, here I am, I'm knocking, dude. Open up. I'm going to come and sit at your table. Then he will turn around Revelation 4.1 and say, come on up. I want to show you the thoughts that are higher than yours, the ways that are greater than yours, but you've got to get it right. I'm God, you're not, and that's the best news today. (laughs) This is a year where his word being released is not going to be returned empty. Come on, somebody. You may have known barrenness, and it's one thing to deny barrenness. It's another thing to acknowledge it so that we can receive a fresh word from God and conceive the fresh life that he has for us in this year. It may have been a barren year. It may have been a year of great trial, great adversity, great tribulation. It may have been the best year of your life. I don't know. Anywhere on that spectrum, the invitation is still the same for every person in this room. Come to me and find satisfaction, fullness, and I let my word be released into your heart and into your life so that you can experience all that I desire and the purposes for which I send forth my word.